Happy Monday, fight fans, and welcome to the final day of November. I'm Scott Fontana. This is the Couchside Judges, and please follow me on Twitter or DM me at Scott underscore Fontana. And I'm Dan Urban. You can find me at Dan Urban MMA. You can also follow the podcast at Couchside Judges. If you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else, please subscribe to the show. And if you are able to rate our show and you're enjoying what you're hearing, please give us a five-star review. It would definitely help us. And we're going to talk about MMA judging, so you should familiarize yourself with the criteria at abcboxing.com. So, Dan, obviously we're going to talk about Saturday's UFC event, which was put on way too late. Way too late. By any standard, I just didn't really feel like staying up to watch the fights that we were getting even before. Uh, We lost the main event, but when we lost the main event, it made it even more uh, challenging for us to want to stay up to watch Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. No offense to either man. It just was not the ideal situation to be watching that fight at almost one in the morning. There's no reason to put a fight night card on main event or main card starting at 10 p.m. No, it's ludicrous. I, I thought we lost that when everybody left Fox behind. But, uh, you know, before we even get into UFC, I actually want to talk about the more interesting fight from Saturday night. And that was Mike Tyson against Roy Jones Jr. in an eight round boxing exhibition. This is the fight that we've been hearing about for months and, and they postponed it. It finally happened. And I think a lot of us were expecting a clown show. Uh, in some respects, because these men are in their 50s, but not really, right? They put on a good show. They both had good technique. You know, their classic uh, Roy Jones slipping punches out of nowhere and Mike Tyson bobbing and weaving only like Mike Tyson can. It it brought back a lot of memories. Yeah. And it was, and it was entertaining. I think that's really what the goal of the show was, was to be entertaining, and I was entertained. Let me tell you, um, so I'm I'm 35, you're uh, 34, right? You're, you're younger than me? Yes, sir. Yeah, so that you know we missed tyson's prime we were too young for that but you know i think both of us probably caught uh after he went to prison and served his time for uh those pretty nasty crimes that he was had committed uh but when he came back and obviously was kind of doing some crazy stuff you know biting ears off and, and having some crazy interviews and things he was still somewhat himself as in terms of a force in the ring yeah i remember leaving a Giants game, preseason game, because that's when he was going to fight in 1995 against Peter McNeely. Yeah. And I was like, well, we're at a preseason game. We can be watching Mike Tyson. Let's let's get out of here. I was 10 years old. I mean, I, I who who took you? Your parents? Yeah. Yeah, they made a mistake going to the game to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> Close to preseason. Especially around that time. 95, Giants were not that great. It's preseason football. I mean, it, it doesn't <laughs> matter who's playing. It's still terrible. But yeah, I mean... For me, though, actually, around around late 90s or so was when I was, you know, not able to watch as much boxing as I would have liked to because I wasn't able to stay up late at that age. I was, I was still kind of a preteen, but I really did enjoy whenever I got the chance to watch Roy Jones Jr. He was one of my favorites at that age. So that it was kind of cool seeing him against Tyson here, too. Uh, I was not as pleased with what I saw from Roy on Saturday night. You know, I, <laughs> he was breathing like a monster movie uh, monster. Yeah, I, I don't want to take anything away from him. He, he's he's in his 50s, but I of think course. he may have underestimated just how difficult it might be. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was away from the ring for three years. Tyson, for what he said, 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I almost wonder if Roy thought it would be easier to step back in because he hadn't been away as long, whereas Tyson maybe really did understand the challenge that was ahead of him, having not competed in any way 
uh, in front of people for 15 years. So maybe maybe that was it. Maybe that was the difference. And he lost 100 pounds. So he was clearly well, he did. He was clearly training for this a lot longer than Roy was. Sure, he looked good. I mean, I had, he had a uh, Rafael Cordero in his corner. It was it was a it was a fun fight. I from what I understand, the head punches were told to you know kind of tone them down because he didn't he didn't hold back against the body. He was ripping the body of Roy Jones. Oh, he totally was. <laughs> Everything hurts for Roy today. You know, we we obviously we talk about judging on our show, but I in no way could sit and watch that fight and say, hmm, who do I think won this round? Oh, yeah. That was yeah. not the type of fight that I was going to sit back and do that with. Oh, yeah, not me. I just wanted to watch it and, and enjoy it. The one thing I'll say, though, is uh, the general sense I got was there is no way that uh, I guess we'll call him celebrity judge. I mean, he was one of the former champions judges that they had. Uh, Vinny Paz had a just atrocious scorecard. I mean, it was like I think it was 80 to 77 or something like that. I, I like, didn't notice that. Just, I did, it, what are you even trying to do here? Yeah, just weird scorecard. I mean, they even, and, and that ended up making this fight a stupid draw, which I mean, okay, but it just leaves a bad taste. Not that, not that it really colors the way you feel about this fight. Cause it's like, I wasn't watching this to find out who won, but at the same time, it's like, come on, get somebody in there who at least has like a, 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 a modicum of an idea of how to score yeah. uh, a fight. Right. Which the only goal I had, was that neither fighter would? I was hoping neither fighter embarrassed himself. I don't that think was, either fighter embarrassed I don't himself. Think so Again, either. I was a little disappointed in Roy early, but he did start to open it up a lot more later. I thought he was going to be dead tired. Sure enough, he had he had some of the old magic in him still, just a little bit. Yeah, so I, I, I I'm pleased with the event, and I, I didn't really care who won. The scorecard it was ridiculous, like you said, but it wasn't an official scorecard. Nobody was ringside for the score. Yeah, no, I mean it was really is, weird. Scorecard scorecard in the loosest sense. <laughs> For sure, CSAC didn't. Uh, and again, I'm not so. hung up on it, but I just like I look at that and I'm like, "Come on, Vinny, what are you doing?" <laughs> That's not the same Vinny Paz. It's a rapper, right, out of Philly? No, uh, same different person. Uh, yeah, Make no, it. they're very different people. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I, I I'm not 100 percent sure, and I'm honestly I'm not going to look it up. But yeah, I'm, neither me neither. I'm like 99.9 percent right. sure. Okay. That's Although fine. I do I do believe that. This is the same guy who I think he might have been involved as like a referee or something like that for the Brawl for All or something. Or, or was it like uh, something they did at WWF? I remember WrestleMania? Brawl for All with Butterbean? No, and no. Bart I, Gunn? Well, was Butterbean in that one too, actually? I don't know. Butterbean fought after Brawl for All. All right. This one I'm actually going to look up right now. Yeah, Vinny Paz. He was uh, he was the guest referee for Butterbean versus uh, Bart Gunn at Brawl for All. Okay, what a wild, wild idea for WWE writing at the time. Just yeah, I don't want to go too far off script and talk about <laughs> wrestling, but uh, but yeah, that was uh, <laughs> what a joke. That was ridiculous. Let's get let's steer it all the way back to UFC. We've gone from you know UFC to boxing to pro wrestling. Uh, let's pull it all the way back. Let's let's, let's get back it. to the central right. thesis of our show, right? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, in the, you know, we lost the main event that we were talking to about before. Curtis Blades was supposed to go against Derek Lewis, and uh, Blades was the one who contracted COVID-19, correct? Yes. So we lost that on Friday, meaning that elevated Anthony Smith and Devin Clark from the co-main to the main event slot. I mean, as far as last-minute elevated main events go, I guess they probably could have found something worse. It could have been a worse situation, but... And Paul Felder said he was ready. He would have fought Derek Lewis. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I, I saw that too, <laughs> but you know, 
we did have this this fight didn't go very long thankfully because it was very late at night smith got the the triangle choke uh, in the first round only needed about three minutes to get it done and he finally uh put put to rest kind of a very rough 2020 for him rough 2020 in all senses house got invaded lost two big fights and in not good fashion at least he didn't you know Succumb to a really terrible COVID nineteen thing, right? That would have been like the real trifecta there. I mean, that could be the you know the ending of a bad twenty twenty for the man. Well, I hope not. I I I hope hope Anthony Smith and his family are well. Hopefully, yeah. But yeah, what do you what do you think of Anthony Smith? What do you take away from this fight for him? I think he's done this before, where he loses a couple, goes on a little skid, comes back strong. He lost three straight before he went on that uh, run to get a title shot. Well, that was at a different weight. That was at I think a weight that he probably had outgrown long ago. Uh, and shouldn't have been really making that cut. Whereas here, this is, I think, a probably more natural weight for him. Yeah, so I, I'd like to see him at least. He's still, he's still a top ten fighter. So, but he doesn't have to fight against top ten competition. I don't think you can bring. Well, him if you're going to stay a top or, ten fighter. I think well, at some point you have to. Well, yeah, ranked. Yes, of course. I think a Johnny Walker's a good fight for him. He's, a, you know, he's ranked nine. Okay. Magomed on I, I see Smith versus Walker, you know, especially because you can you can bet that fight's probably not going to go fifteen minutes. Right, but the, now now that Smith has found his ground game again, maybe he transitions to becoming more of a, a grappling based fighter. Who knows? I mean, it could just be this opponent, you know. That's true. I mean, I, I'd like to see him against Ankalaev. I think that's a good fight, even though Ankalaev okay. is towards the back end of the rankings. Magomed Ankalaev was. I mean, he's got. His his weird 2020s in the past now. He finally finished off uh, Yiwan Kute Laba, right? Yeah, finally. Took long enough. Uh, I'd even I'd even watch him fight Paul Craig. I think that's a good matchup, too. Sure. Or Nikita Krylov, and that's good. I think the only one that are off limits for Anthony Smith would be Santos Reyes, Prochaska, Rakic, and Glover. And well, not he's the lost champ. to a few of them. Yes, so they're, they're off the table. Anyone behind those guys, I think that's fair game. And I think that's a solid matchup for him. All right. Do you think he can get to the top again? No, I don't. I, you know, he's got a lot of miles on his body. He's not that old, but he's he's got a lot of fights. Uh, and I just the fact that he isn't known to have much of a gas tank, the fact that we've seen him lose a couple of fights to some of the top guys, I just I I'm kind of counting him out. Yeah, okay. I am. I'd like to see if if he changes his strategy from you know the crazy brawls that we we know him for. Look, if he does, I mean, you know, all bets are off, but I kind of just look at it right now. And I think, you know, after this many fights, this is mostly the type of fighter we're going to get. Does have a lot of subs on his record, though. We'll see. But moving on. But moving on to, you know, we before we even talk about contested rounds, because we don't have too many of them. There weren't really any crazy decisions on this card at all. I think the judges mostly acquitted themselves well and didn't really have as much to do because we had so many finishes. But before we get to that, I I really do want to talk about Kind of the fallout from losing Blades and Lewis on such short notice on such a, you know, not a deep card, right? This was Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark was truly the only fight on the entire bout order that you could even remotely consider to be a main event. Well, that's definitely a main event for a fight night for sure. It is, but but like nothing else is. You only have two fights on here that even would be remotely considered that because none of the other fighters on here register as someone to watch. See, that's, Other than that, I mean, this was basically like a regional level card. It was, and it, I had expectations of seeing not a single decision, which kind of 
soured me on the entire card, and a lot of fights didn't deserve the criticism I gave it. But I was just sour. Yeah, you were you were overly um, harsh on yes, I was media that I night. Was. I mean, uh, <laughs> you were very grumpy. I was not happy. I mean, and then I watched some of the fights. Oh, they were good fights, good performances. You there know, were a bunch of good. fights. You're not going to get but a finish. Again, they every... were kind of lower level competition and that kind of thing. Not, not, not to be offensive to the fighters. It's just you know this is the UFC product that they're putting out there. We just had a, a pay per view where they had a ton of really good fights throughout the card, and then to go to this and it's just, you know it's it's kind of like having a filet mignon, and then you come back the next week and it's like well. Here's another filet mignon, but we ate most of it. Now, what do you think if they did something like they did for Khabib and Gaethje, where they had Chandler there, ready in case someone had to pull out? He was he was there as a replacement. What if they did that for more main events? It's that's a tough thing because you're putting fighters. So I, I like the idea of it for major fights because it still keeps you know kind of the championship flow moving. And ideally, you, the next person that comes in is someone who's of a very high caliber. But, you know, there's a lot involved in that, you know, probably things that I'm going to even not think about. But, you know, they're going to be fighting or they're going to be preparing as if they have a fight. Maybe they won't, but they'll have to cut the weight. And in order to get paid in any way, they'll have to, they're going to have to make the weight and then not know if they're actually going to have a fight. So it's, you know, mentally, how do you prepare for it? Like when you think you might have a fight, but you don't. It's It's, it's a very weird mindset. And then all of a sudden you might find out. Not only do you have a fight, you have one of the most important fights of your life in front of you. So it's it's a very tough thing. But then if you say, okay, let's do it for every event. I mean, <laughs> does the UFC really want to pay these people to do that? No. 100% they don't. They definitely Not don't. Not a chance. So I guess they're just going to do what they do, you know, just put on a, a B-level card. I just wish they would. No, this is a this was not a B-level card. That would C be level? insulting to B-level cards. This was not a B-level card even before. C-level. Uh, this was probably a C level card, and then it d- got downgraded to maybe like a D plus. C level Kane, unstoppable. <laughs> C level Kane. Now, now you're doing puns. That's my thing. <laughs> That's my territory, man. <laughs> but no, um, but seriously, I just, this this underscores to me just how much of a problem it is when you put an event together that has just about known re- name recognition on it. I mean, you're asking the most hardcore of hardcore people to stay up and watch this fight. And that's, those are the only people who you can guarantee are going to watch this. Were they aware of it because they had Tyson to go up against? I mean, I don't know, I guess, because obviously Israel Adesanya was over there uh, as a broadcaster for Tyson. If they were aware of it though, why wouldn't they make it earlier? So they don't have to compete directly against the fight. Well, I mean, they're still also competing against college football, I guess. I mean, they do it every Saturday for the last several weeks and months too. So I don't know who the heck knows. I, I didn't, Everything about this card just seemed wrong. Everyone, and, but it, but for me, it just highlights again how much of a problem it is that we don't put together yeah. fights with you know cards with a little more you know intrigue to them as far as upper level fighters. It's not like they don't have these people, and I know times are tough with COVID now, but you got to think they can find somebody. So I don't want to say uh, Valentina isn't a pay per view fighter because she is hundred percent. But would they have done better to maybe take some of the fights that they stacked? on the pay-per-view and had them a week later. So they have well, that's something a little bit. Yeah. I, they probably could have taken, I mean, you don't have to gut the thing. Cause I loved how deep it was, but I mean, if you pull a Ro- couple of fights off, Royville of Marino could have main evented that. What's that? Royville Marino could have been a, a nice main event there. 
that would have been a wonderful, interesting main event. It wouldn't have, you know, it would have kind of disappointed us a little bit because it ended in an injury, but yeah. it would have been something. If you just put that on the main card, and I get why they did it. They, it was kind of like a showcase right. for the division. They were There was some synergy there, which I think they need to do more of. So I actually, I don't hate putting that fight there, but again, something. just You just need a little bit more than what we had here, and I was very disappointed in that. Yeah, but I mean, watching again, the fight we're going to get into was actually a pretty good fight. The heavyweight fight here, yeah. yeah. Contested rounds, yeah. We'll switch to contested rounds. We'll, we'll do our, you know, our judging thing like we do here. Parker Porter got the decision over uh, Josh Parisian, thirty twenty seven, thirty twenty six, twenty nine twenty eight. So none of the judges agreed. But uh, round one was the the one that was not a ten eight round that was split. You like this fight? I did like. I liked it when I watched it. I was just. I just wanted to finish. I was like. Just finish, finish. I don't care. I was enjoying round one. Round one was fun. I had a lot of fun in round one. And then round two and round three kind of dragged. But yeah, this was a close round. You had round one for Parisian, right? Yes, I scored 10-9 Parisian for round one. I also did. uh, Same as Tony Weeks, but it was Eric Colonna and Anthony Manis who saw it for Porter. And and I mean, I get it here. There was a lot of kind of back and forth and heavy punching and, and, and heavy lands and things like that. So, I, I mean, do you think that there's a wrong answer here? I don't think there's a wrong answer. I just think Parisian's a little bit more right, to put it yeah. that way. I, I mean, think... I obviously, I lean that way, too. So, like, Porter, he was landing against the cage. He pressed Parisian against it. But every time Parisian would get some kind of flurry, he'd back Porter almost entirely across the cage. And I was like, that's a good reaction. He's landing good. I thought he landed really hard. I mean, even reactions aside, it just they they looked impactful. Yeah. Like just the way that I mean, not reactions as far as like his bigger reactions, but just the smaller ones necessarily. Where it's just like, oh, you can tell that absolutely mm-hmm. hurt. Yeah, I, I felt that also for some Porter leg kicks. I thought his leg kicks were solid. Mm-hmm. And for heavyweights, they kept up a pretty high pace. They did, but but again, they ran yeah. out. It was sloppy. Parisian, Parisian in particular. Wow. It was Porter. Porter was able to keep it up over the three rounds. He was surprisingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he clinched a lot too, and in the clinch, I didn't think he did all that uh, effective uh, from there. Well, then break. It's, I he, get it. he has a 15 minute fight, I and he's know. trying to pace himself a little bit. <laughs> I'm just Go saying, on in this round, I'm saying, as far as effective striking, he was controlling a clinch, but I didn't see anything offensive really coming from it. Too yeah, much. no, I would agree. I agree. So, yeah, while Porter had his moments, I, I, I thought Parisian was more effective, and I thought he had good periods where he was the only offensive fighter. In that round, so that that's why I go Parisian. Yeah, again, I'm I'm in unison with you, so you don't have to prove anything to me. But I, so I would agree. That's really the only contested round we have uh, outside. But we of do have which fight ten eight wins. rounds, right? We do have some ten eight rounds to discuss. Yeah, our ten eight watch does include round two from Porter Parisian, because again, there was someone who had a ten eight to get the thirty twenty six score, uh, and that was from Eric Cologne, who gave round two. A 10-8 for Porter. Did you also see it the same way as uh, South Jersey's finest judge? Yes, I did. I, I think 10-8 is a, a great score for this round. I think Eric Cologne's 100% justified in scoring at 10-8. I mean, the round starts with Porter just kicking Parisian's legs out completely under him. It was like uh, he just flipped, like flopped on his face after getting kicked. It, it was That was awesome start to the round. Landed some ground and pound. Parisian's getting up. He locks in a guillotine and... I thought that was close. I thought he was going to tap from that. Uh, as we know, he didn't tap, but I thought it was very close. I actually did not go to the 10-8 here. Um, I don't think it's wrong, but for me, I just I just didn't think it quite hit that mark here. I, I don't have a really strong okay. reasoning behind it. Uh, I just thought this was a good, solid 10-9 round. 
I mean, it's a very solid round. Uh, I could see why you only go 10-9. I mean, duration's tough. It was the minority score. Uh, Doesn't make it wrong or right. I mean, Parisian just didn't really do much in this round. Definitely not anywhere near the same amount of power he had in round one. Yes. Like, no, not even close. Uh, he had a big... He got taken down straight to side control where he did a lot of, of good elbows. You know, it wasn't... Uh, a furious pace where he just kept going and going and going. But I thought it was a good controlled pace where every 10 seconds, a strike or two is coming out and he's just staying busy, although not extremely busy. Sure. I, I, I can understand that, but I, I thought that he had enough being shown to go there to, to kind of keep himself in the fight to prevent it from being kind of that 10, eight level. Mm, I mean, the Americana attack helped in my yeah, decisions. Did, no, absolutely. You're right. Uh, I didn't think he'd finish it because it's very tough to finish from half guard. Yeah, but I, I mean, if it's, it's, still, if it's solid still an attack, attack, I mean, you have to grade the attack even if you don't think it can finish. And really, what pushed it for me, because now I'm I'm teetering at this point of mm-hmm. where I'm going 10-9, 10-8. He has him in a half Nelson, quarter Nelson type deal in like the turtle, mm-hmm. and he's just bopping him right in the face. Think Mir Lesnar too. That's what it reminded it me of. That didn't make me think of that because that was a much more devastating. Uh, Those punches reminded example, me of but that. I guess I can sort of see what you mean. So at that, I said, all right, he he did enough damage here. It had enough. It was definitely dominant. I thought, and that's what put me over. All right, fair enough. Uh, you know, I don't think it's it's wrong to go your way. I just didn't see it that way. That's fine. But you know, I, funny thing about this fight though, like you don't think about heavyweights being able to throw and absorb so many punches over the course of three rounds. Combined total strikes from these two men, 287 that's landed. A, that's a landed, not thrown. Landed. Uh, yeah, their head hurts today. It's uh, Their whole bodies must hurt. <laughs> that's, My good, but, but think about heavyweights of their size, especially. I mean, they're not just, they're not just like these 230 pound heavyweights. These are big boys. Yeah, they did have, they a, were I landing mean, hard. They had a good pace for, for a lot of the fight and any, any weight class would probably be tired if they landed that many strikes i think so i think so kudos to these men it was it was a solid heavyweight fight we've seen a lot worse yes i just expected a finish but this was you know that was it we really had for porter and parisian which again was solid mid card fight uh main card fight i should say and uh the only other fight that we really need to talk about it in any depth is uh norma dumont getting unanimous 3026s over ashley evan smith Although, and I kind of suspected this when I watched this, because I thought there could have been some debate over which round was the 10-8. And sure enough, round two and round three received 10-8 scores, but not unanimously among the judges. So let's start with round two. And that was where Derek Clear was the only judge to go 10-8 for Dumont, whereas Mike Bell and Dave Hagan. Uh, Mike Bell, of course, the resident expert, uh, on 10 8 rounds, or at least the, the one who we usually talk about yeah. when we talk about 10 8 <laughs> rounds, right? I was shocked to he see that. He did not go there. The he only yeah. gave it a 10 9. What about you? Live, I gave it a 10 8, and rewatching it, I gave it a 10 8. I did not rewatch it, but after I gave a 10 9, I like almost immediately regretted it. Yeah, I think because I thought about it, I'm like, geez, that was pretty one sided. <laughs> so I think if I was to have, if I watched it again, I'm pretty sure I would end up confirming to myself yeah i, sh- I should have gone 10-8 here so yeah i like a 10-8 for this round I th- evan smith is not committing to a single strike she's throwing it's like she's she's already on defense for the counter while she's mid-offensive sh- attack and i was like 
You can't be doing that. That's not a way to fight, and nothing was effective coming from her. And this round started with a bit of a wild scramble, too. Yeah. And it ultimately ended up with Dumont getting top side, moving into mount, doing good damage from the top, I thought. She was. And, uh, you know, she had, she had good sustained damage there. I think you can check off two Ds at the very least easily for her. Yeah, I, I thought she... Def- Which is why I'm thinking I probably got it wrong by just going 10-9. See, I, I checked off all three. I thought they were yeah. both checked... All three were checked off enough. She was dominant uh, in the grappling, dominant in the striking, and she had duration for good enough. And when they're on the feet, everything Dumont lands is heavy. It's like, all right, props to Ashley for not going down. Like, that's how heavy I thought these shots were. She was landing super heavy. And I I thought that maybe she should have been a little more active. I I, think she kind of chose her spots just a little bit too much. I think that's probably what made it harder for me to go to the 10-8 live. Right. But again, thinking thinking it over, I just I'm like, what did Evans actually what did Evan Smith actually do? She didn't do anything. And in, in the, I don't think she did anything. In, in the criteria, if a fighter is not very offensive at all, mm. judges should lean 10 8. Yeah, it's true. Um yeah, I mean again, all this basically adds up to the same thing for me, which is I think I made a mistake going 10 9. So I think we're we've got a 10 8 round here. There was also some argument, and actually it was the majority score for round three being a 10-8 for Dumont. So Bell and Hagen, they flip-flopped with Derek Cleary. They were the ones who gave 10-8, and Cleary only gave a 10-9 here. Uh, Conspiracy theorists would think that maybe Hagen and Bell were just trying to make up for it in round two and go for round three because there's a decent argument. But again, I actually think this was a really solid solid argument for a 10-8 too. So I'm going to throw that conspiracy out the window. I'm also going to throw it out the window because live I scored it a 10-9, and I think that's wrong. After yeah. I rewatched it today. Yeah, so you, you kind of feel the same way so, as I feel like I probably would if I watched it again. I feel Evan Smith, when she starts the round, she gives the illusion that she's landing. So she's casting a spell on She's it. kind she's finally coming like with, with magic and sorcery? Yes. Total. She's Harry okay. she's Harry Pottering right now. Okay. And but the thing is because throughout the first two rounds, everything she's thrown has been half hearted. Mm. The early parts of this round, she's actually committing to her strikes. Thing is, she isn't landing any of them. No, so, <laughs> no, she really didn't get much in there, did she? And I mean, Dumont was really just picking her apart, smashing her again with punches. A solid, constant pace, as you mentioned, really wasn't you know pushing to that you know that pace we that makes it easier for us to score a ten eight. Right. It, it's basically like Evan Smith was shadow boxing and like sparring at the same time, just giving Dumont a look. And every time Dumont got that look, she countered with something you know really heavy. Yeah, I. I do think Evan Smith was able to at least get a little bit more in than we saw in the previous round. So yeah, I do think that, yeah. it, like if I, if you told me pick the, the most definite 10, eight round in this fight, I would have said round two. I would say two. if I had, if I would gun to my head saying round two or three, which is a 10, eight, I go round two. Yeah. If you could only pick one. Yeah. yeah. I, I would agree with you there, but actually this was, this was a round where uh, Dumont was credited with a, with a knockdown, at least on UFC stats towards the end when she rocked her. And yeah, I, I guess that's the kind of thing that, you know, you, you're talking about diminishing blows. Mm-hmm, definitely. Diminish, Those are the yeah. type of things you want for a yep. 10-8. Yeah, I thought she definitely had dominance and damage on the feet. Yeah. I guess duration's uh, the one that you're kind of like, eh. But. Yeah, I think, again, it's a, it's a debatable situation, but I, I have no problem with with a 10-8 here. I did go 10-9 again. I, I, I had a 30-27 for this fight, and it 
certainly didn't feel like a 30-27, but that doesn't always mean that one of those rounds should have been a 10-8. But I think probably two of these rounds could have been 10-8s and, and without any argument, though. Interestingly enough, if you just look at the numbers, which, again, you know, judges, they don't have numbers available. Numbers don't tell you the story. But what they can do is they can kind of clarify what you already think you saw. That's how I feel about numbers anyway when it comes to striking stats mm-hmm. and strikes landed and things like that. So round two, Dumont outlanded Evan Smith 33-6. to six. Yeah, she's... Total strikes. Significant strikes are, are such a useless number. So I'm just talking about total <laughs> strikes. Who's sitting there deciding what's significant and insignificant on strikes? I mean, it's not like there's just two different types of punches that land or kicks that land. It's like, oh, that one's significant. No, nope, not significant. <laughs> it's so dumb. So total strikes. Again, even that doesn't tell the story. But I think when you look at 33 to 6, that tells you how lopsided around it was. Well, I think it confirms the way I've been seeing the fight as Evan Smith, I don't want to say scared, but, you know, unwilling to commit to a Tentative. strike. Okay. Yeah, ten- Tepid. Like, how many times are you going to raise your kick about the kick and then stop mid-kick? It was driving me nuts. I was like, you got to commit. Just, you're a fighter. Come on. I know, I know. I mean, it was it was a like I I don't know how any way to put it. I thought it was a poor outing, and I really thought Dumont deserved a lopsided scorecard. Yeah, no, I agree. So it was nice to see that she got at least thirty twenty sixes, even if they weren't the same way. I I have no problem with the judges necessarily not all going thirty twenty five or something like that. But I I think you could easily make a case for either round. I or think two or three. I think you can make a case if if they had more numbers to choose from in their scoring, say ten eight and a half. Everyone would go ten eight and a half in every round. What do you think no, of not the of first round, but the judges second actually third. going with something? Because obviously we do our own scoring system where we add like a, a sort of 10, eight and a half. You know, yeah. we, we obviously reclassify it, uh, which, which we do just for past judgment. But what do you think about judges in general just kind of being able to give out many more scores, like a, like a whole gamut of like 10, nine and a half, 10, nine, 10, eight and a half, 10, eight, 10, seven and a half, 10, seven. What do you think of that? I, uh, I'm torn on it. I, I lean. Yes, I want them to. But then you also mm-hmm. now you open them up to having to debate which is which. It's it's much more hard to decipher. I think you're going to still get the same uh, conversation. So was that really a ten seven and a half or should that have been a ten eight? Like that? yeah, I think I think you're definitely going to have more conversations about it. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think it's just it's it's going to be a, a lot harder for them to zero in on what what's what. But I w- believe they could do it, and I would hope they, I, they would do it. What I like about that idea, and I I don't like it being called half points. I think half points are stupid because honestly, I've said this before. People don't know how to do fractions. They just don't. I know how to do fractions, but most people don't. So maybe this <laughs> makes me sound arrogant. But Scott's very good at math. <laughs> I, I am. I, hey, I got a 700 on my math SATs or whatever that's worth. In you know, That's good. 17 years after I took them. He almost beat my whole score. math always came better to me i don't know why i decided to go into writing but uh, (laughs) shows how smart i am yeah yeah i'm good at this one thing how about i do the other thing (laughs) uh but but to get back to my central thesis though people people can't add already so we're gonna make it even harder i feel like if you're gonna do that you'd actually have to go away from the 10 point must system in general and just Make it to say like judges are giving out five points, four points, three points, two points, one point or zero point, something like that. You know, we've mm. seen versions of that in kickboxing. Um, I think that would be a little easier. I think people can count to five. Hopefully. I mean, you, you only need one hand for it. I've seen my kids do it. 
if my kid can count to five, someone who's sitting there adding up the judges' scores can count to five. They can do it. So I, I mean, I, I feel like it would just it wouldn't be as simple as saying you got to do half points. I, I feel like you'd almost have to overhaul the whole thing, which would make it so complicated because states have legislation that call for the ten point must system. So it would take so much more of an overhaul than anyone would even realize if you were to move away from the 10 point must system. So it would probably still have to be fractions. Well, can you just do this instead then? Just op- that? just open up since so we'd be adding nine and a half, eight and a half, and seven and a half. Yeah. So why not just make it 10, 9, 10, 8, 10, 7, 10, 6, 10, 5, 10, 4? Yeah, hey, I'm okay with that too. You know, it definitely makes it weird looking, but yeah. It, it's it's the same difference. As long as you can come back in the same way from different round scores, that's fine. I don't care. Just get yeah. it right. I'd I'd be more inclined to to see something like that. Although, man, the first time we see someone get a ten four, <laughs> <laughs> I think our I think MMA fans' heads are just gonna just explode. Well, and you know what? A lot of people think that it goes all the way down to zero. They don't truly understand that six through zero are not acceptable or not even available to give. Nothing surprises me about so, what MMA fans think of MMA scoring. This, um, no, this is I heard this on from a fighter. On another podcast that I heard a while back, I don't even know I what they were talking that, about. But... I should also amend that I think the same thing applies to fighters, okay. and coaches, and everybody involved in the sport, commentators, literally every single person in the sport. I I would conservatively say that there is only three percent of people involved in mixed martial arts who have a thorough understanding of how MMA judging works. Three percent. That's just like I'm just pulling a number out. Like truly, this is not based on any sort of surveying I've done. But it it really feels like it's just such a low number. Yeah, every official in us. <laughs> and Sean Sheehan, let's give him. Yeah, right, we'll give you. We'll give Sean a little shout. All right. <laughs> but we did have some good finishes. Yes, we did. And and actually, before we even did that, we had some unanimous rounds. We we got to oh, keep credit yes, to the judges when they got there. Absolutely right? correct. Yeah. So Bill Algio getting thirty twenty sevens unanimously over Spike Carlisle. Um, you know, I think probably you could have debated rather round one, round one went to Carly sure. all not, but Debatable, I have no yeah. problem with 30-27s. Yeah, not me. No problem. Yeah. And uh, and really, after that, it was all finishes. So Nate Maness, he uh, he won in round two, rear naked choke over Luke Sanders, but Sanders had definitely taken round one. That was a good round one. He was, him. yeah. he That was Sanders' fight to lose. It was. And he and lost he it. He lost it. <laughs> <laughs> the man knows a, 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 how to lose fights. This is this is not <laughs> happened. This is not the only time this has happened to him uh, at the UFC level. Uh, Gina Mazzani getting the round three TKO in the final minute over Rachel Ostovich in a fight that she was already winning 20 to 18. Ostovich didn't look like she belonged at all. Yeah, Ostovich, I'm, you know, I'm sorry to say she's just not a UFC caliber fighter. Uh, we've seen enough out of her. Um, Moving on, Jonathan Pierce, who they called G, uh, excuse me, JSP, and that got me thinking about all the other people who should be nicknamed something SP. So <laughs> I'm waiting for a flyweight or or maybe a, a strawweight woman to be uh, have the initials TSP so they can be teaspoon. <laughs> it's that's, too appropriate. Oh, I mean, you get you got great. the size and everything. I mean, it's perfect. But anyway. <laughs> Neither here nor there. Tisha Jonathan Torres Pierce. should be teaspoon. Tisha teaspoon Torres. T- yeah, I like that actually. Although <laughs> Tiny Tornado is also good for yeah. him too. But uh, <laughs> that one just made me laugh yesterday. I made myself laugh. <laughs> Jonathan Pierce though got the round two TKO over Kai Kamaka. Kamaka had won round one on all the judges' cards, so this is a little bit of a comeback too. But it was also a closer first round. Yeah. And then also in round two, sub from uh, this was the new co-main event that we got. Miguel Baeza, 
the fight you were looking forward to, getting the win over Takashi Sato. He also won the first round 10-9. No drama there. And we did have some finishes, even though we had seven of the 10 fights went to finish. Yes, and... yes. And I I would be willing to bet that your favorite finish of the night was the fight that we were just talking about, Baeza. Yes, Baeza subbing Takashi Sato round two, arm triangle. I think the kid's the total package. He hurt him on the feet. He dominated on the ground. And I hope the UFC just brings him along slowly. I think he could be special. You know, he's got some charisma, too. I like the way he was interacting with Paul Felder after he won and had the post-fight conversation. He really seems like he seems like the type of charismatic fighter that I like, which is not someone who's interesting and entertaining, but not necessarily someone who's trying to just be, um, for lack of a better word, uh, a D. Yeah, and whatchamacallit, Michael Chiesa was, you know, harping on a little bit. Oh, he's got to actually, should, he should be calling people out, blah, 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 instead of, uh, you know, like people's names that matter instead of Robbie Lawler and stuff like that. Ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> Let the kid do his thing. I yeah. like him. But I'm sure you had a favorite finish. I sure did. I mean, we had a bunch of choices. For me, it was going all the way back. We're talking about flyweights again. No, not nicknamed Teaspoon, but uh, <laughs> Sue Mudarji. I think I got this right. Uh, smashing Malcolm Gordon in 44 seconds in his UFC flyweight debut. He had come down from bantamweight. And I mean, we just don't see this type of power for many flyweights. We have it obviously with uh, Davis and Figueredo. The champion has this, but mm-hmm. I think this is, this is one of the most powerful flyweights I've seen since Figueredo. Yeah. I'm sure Cody, Cody Garbrandt may join those ranks eventually, but once Gordon got hit, he went down and said, I'm finished. This is it. Oh my God. Nate that, Robinson should have done beastly. that. So beastly. Yep. I look forward to seeing him again. <laughs> As Joe would say, Mr. Joe Rogan. We look forward to seeing you again. Sumo Darji, ladies and gentlemen. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Couchside Judges. Thanks for joining us. We had a great time today. I had a fun. I, I like talking about this one. As yeah. much as we didn't like some of the fights and, and the cards themselves, I think it, we, we had a fun weekend anyway. Right? Yeah, great weekend. A lot of fun. And we'll be back again on Friday. Yep. Happy December, everybody. Thanks for listening.